0: Today's guest is Dr. Jared Booth. Here's our job talk with a podiatrist. Welcome to the Job Talk podcast, where we talk with people who love their jobs. Our guests open up about their challenges, surprises, and secrets to success in their industries. Through conversation, we explore their careers, past work experiences, and the education that got them to where they are now. Can you tell me what kind of a high school student were you and when you graduated from grade 12, did you know exactly what you wanted to do when when you were leaving school? Uh,
1: So to the first part of the question, I was somebody that used school um, for school. So I didn't really have a lot of homework when I was in high school. I, I did all the work in class, but I felt like I, I, I think my strength was that I was a good enough reader where I could understand any assignments or lab labs I had to do and be able to socialize while doing the work, which I think was difficult for a lot of my uh, classmates. Um, so for me, I, I was kind of like the, the social I don't want to say social butterfly because that's, that's not completely accurate, but I, I got along with everybody and I didn't really have any enemies. Like I was the band, I was in like three bands and I played, I was the like the, the varsity soccer player. I, I played on all the sports teams. I played like, I, I was the singles tennis, ch- tennis player, like I don't know. I, I I just got along with everybody, um, and I was never the top of my class. Um, there were always people that were better than me, um, but I was uh, near like I don't know eightieth percentile, like in that range. But I was by no means a straight A student.
0: Okay. And so, what what did you do when you when you came out of high school? Where did where I did you go first? I-
1: Right. I'm so sorry. I completely forgot the second part of the question. <laughs> right. uh, the second part of the question. I, I knew I wanted to do something medical. I, I didn't, I thought that it would be fantastic to have the lifestyle that I grew up with. Um, Cause I was very fortunate to grow up in the environment that I did. Um, and I wanted to provide that to my future family who whomever that would be and i knew that the one of the ways to do that was medicine however i quickly realized that that wasn't medicine that i actually found that that was somewhat unique to podiatry foot and ankle surgery um because i did go and shadow other other uh doctors for like a day or so and I, I, I realized pretty soon on that no one really got to work with their hands and have the patient care that, that podiatrists got to have, um, and I thought that was really unique. So
0: did you, you started, was it bachelor of science at, um, a different school or was it a school in Canada to start?
1: Right. right. Yes. That so. <laughs> I uh, like any Canadian kid <laughs> growing up I dreamed of playing in the NHL and my problem was that I was good enough to be strung along but not good enough to actually like do anything with it you know what I mean Yeah. so I had I, I was given hope <laughs> that was the problem uh, so when I was 17 I graduated high school and Uh, I wanted to play junior um, and at that point in order to continue playing any sort of junior hockey I would have had to have moved away from home and I realized at that point that it was like I don't really know if I want to do this anymore because I don't realistically I don't know how long this is going to last and so what I did was I snapped decision made the decision to go to uh cuc which is now called uh, berman university in uh alberta um so i did and i literally packed my stuff up i woke up in the morning told my parents i was like i don't think this hockey thing's gonna work out and was like <laughs> gone the next day like all over there and so i didn't have any chance to process anything so it was just a it was a it was a I was I set myself up for failure that first semester of college because I was not mentally prepared to go. Um, So I got out there and uh, I spent a semester there and that was that was it because I was was like, (laughs) this sucks. I hate this. (laughs) So I, I, I luckily our family, again, from the somewhat privileged background, my family was going to Australia At the end of the semester and you know they said hey you know just try the semester if it doesn't work out doesn't work out whatever we'll go to australia we're we're going to australia so i was like all right well can i come and they're like all right we'll we'll make that work so i did i got some time to clear my headspace and then i made the decision like all right I'd, i'd like to finish this and pursue but i went to a different university and just like New start, you know, fresh fresh slate. And that was in uh, Walla Walla, Washington in the States.
0: Okay, so that's good. But that that first year, that first experience in Alberta at least gave you a taste of post secondary, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, which I was (laughs) not ready for, because again, back to your first question, uh, the high school student that I was, I I never really had to try really hard to to get good grades. And that sounds incredibly pretentious, but. It, it, this is going to sound stupid, but Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book on this. It's like people that have hardships earlier on actually have a benefit later on in life because they know how to deal with those hardships. I had never had really the hardships academically in high school that others, that my peers did. So when I got to university and the workload was just, it was just more like I, I, I couldn't just skate by and and just do nothing other than read. I actually had to study every night. I actually had to to learn. And that was a huge smack in the face. And I was not mentally prepared for it.
0: So let's let's talk about the process about being a Canadian student and um, moving to the US to go to post-secondary there. What's the process?
1: So um, for uh, post high school, you, what I did, I can speak to what I did. I think there are, I'm sure there are several other options, but as a Canadian citizen, um, the universities and stuff, they'll, they'll, they want people to go to their schools, right? It's more money for them. So regardless of where you come from, they will, they'll work with you. And wha- when I went and visited, you know, they rolled out the red carpet, as do all universities. And and you know, they said, "Hey, you're a Canadian citizen. We have these options. The option that works best for us is for students to get what is called an F1 uh, student visa." And basically, what that is is the school gives you a. Uh, once this once you and the school come to an agreement uh, before you go there, the school then lets the government know on your behalf that, hey, this student is coming to school. So the first time you go across the border and you make that declaration, it takes a long time to get across the border that first time. Th- that's when they like process you, give you all your paperwork. And then and they're like, all right, here's your student visa, F1 student visa. And you are cleared to live down here and go to school down here. So long as you, uh, every time you cross, you get, you know, you have your, you have all your papers in order that say, I pay this much. I have, I have these many classes. I spend these many hours. Like, so they really want to make sure like, it'd be pretty hard to pull the wool over their eyes. Cause they, they want a lot like, yeah. yeah. So that was, that's how that process works. Um, the school actually should do a lot for you. Cause if, cause again, they want the money. So most of them will help you along with that process process.
0: Obviously your, your high school grades were, uh, strong enough to get into, was it bachelor of science that you were immediately jumping into there?
1: I thought going into university that in order to be in the medical field at anything, I had to major in something that was medical just makes logical sense. Uh, I would never do that again. Like I, I would highly recommend that whatever university you go to, uh, anyone listening, whatever university they decide to go to or college, whatever, um, make sure you major in something that you actually like, and then minor in something that will get you the job. It will make your college experience ten times better um, because like I I liked the human body I, I I enjoyed studying that but to be honest with you a lot of these colleges they they biology is all encompassing. So you spend like half your time learning about plants and stuff and you're like, Oh man, well, this is awful. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, awful for you. Maybe, maybe somebody discovers they're interested in plants. Maybe you know. they
1: do. I, maybe there's that one person that they go in trying to get to the medical field and they come out a botanist or something. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um,
0: you get your bachelor of science from Walla Walla, you completed it there. Yeah. Yep. And then what was the next step and, and how did you make that decision?
1: So again, by this time, by the time I had started and again, I I had shadowed people th- like during high school that that's when I had shadowed. So I kind of had figured that out early on. I was like, wow, the lifestyle is really only podiatry. That's, that's interesting. So when I I didn't have to spend a lot of time doing that in, in college. So once I had graduated with my bachelor's of science, I had kind of solidified that position that I, I wanted to get into podiatry school, um, for podiatry specifically, it's, it's different than the medical school system in for podiatry. There are, there are nine schools that are accredited to train you, to become a doctor of podiatric foot and ankle surgery. And there are only nine and they're all in the, in the States, which is why I'm here. Okay. Um, Canada had tried to get one in Quebec, but I'm not sure where that is right now. I don't know what's going on with that, but um, that's why I came down here in the first place. Uh, excuse me. That's why I stayed down here after college. Um, and remember, but when I graduated, I still had my F1 OPT for like six months after I graduated from, from Walla Walla. So that visa was still good for me to come back and travel. Um, so again, uh, I made my application. It was all online. I did my application, everything for podiatry school and, um, I you can find all of this stuff uh, if you just search uh, podiatry school uh, apply to podiatry school it'll it'll come up it, it'll be on the internet somewhere um, and it's one it is just one website it's like American College of Podiatric Medicine or something um, and they have everything you'll need there like anything you want to to any information and anything you want it, okay. it was there so I just went in I filled out everything they asked I filled out my, my profile. Um, and then I sent my application to the, to as many of the nine colleges as I wanted. I only wanted one cause it was the one my, my dad went to. Yeah. Um, so I only sent my application to one and I, I got in.
0: And how, how challenging was the program when, when you got there and you were going through it?
1: Again, it was kind of like a, a smack in the face again yeah. when, when you when you get there because, you, you know, you, you get college all figured out, and then you're like, oh, okay, I got, I got this. And then you go to – you make the jump to medical school or podiatry school, and you're like, whoa, so I just have to do nothing but this, like, all day. This has to be my life. Yeah. And the reality is it, it is. I mean, you can have have a drink or two with your classmates, but – Uh, it's you're just doing work (laughs) most times it's usually having a drink while studying (laughs) Uh, so um yeah it was it was very very difficult but at that time i i'm grateful for college because at that time college was my hardship like that first semester we talked about that was my hardship and I, i figured out how how to deal with the workload later than everybody else did so I was able to handle the onslaught of podiatry school. How many years
0: of education do you have to put in to get to where you are now?
1: I graduated high school 2010. I graduated with my bachelor's of science in 2015 and I graduated from podiatric medical school in 2020. Um, that is a long time and you don't have to do that. Uh, I have a couple friends from college who went on to be went on? Who knew they were going to go into medicine, and they fast tracked. So what they did was they said, "I don't need to graduate. I don't need to graduate college. I, I don't. I just need to get the prerequisites in order to take the MCAT exam, in order to be accepted into these into the medicine." That is the way I would do it. If you want to go into medicine and you know that's what you want to do, I would absolutely not do what I did and take the time because you also got to remember too, it's money. Like it's, it's not cheap. It's a lot of money. And so if you can expedite the process, you, you could be done. You could be where I am, which is uh, two years into my residency training, uh, two out of three. And you could be here in, let's see one, two, three years for college, university, getting your prerequisites, uh, then four years of medicine, m- medical school. Uh, so you could be here in as little as nine years. Wow. took me, it took me 11, but you could be here in nine years. Um, and going back, that's, that's what I probably would have done. Um, because I found myself taking a lot of unnecessary classes in college because the recruiters and everybody else, they, you gotta remember, they want you to stay in college too, cause it's more money for them. Right. Yeah. So my advice would be to anybody would be to no, no use college for you. I think somewhere along the way, society decided that everybody needed to go to college. That's not the case anymore. Like it really isn't, they, they, they really are just. A lot of them are just money, 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 hungry machines. I'm not saying everyone that goes to college is bad or anything like that. I'm just saying that you need to, you need to make college work for you. Like tailor it to your specific needs. Don't, don't let somebody else be like, Oh, you want to major in biology? Here's the biology program. Go do, do this and you'll be fine. Don't, don't listen to that. Like do the work, figure out what medicine needs and just tell people I want these classes and this is my schedule that I want.
0: Sir, so you mentioned MCAT exam. Can you tell me, forgive my ignorance on that. What, what is that?
1: The MCAT exam is the uh, gateway to medicine. Um, if you want to do any sort of medicine, whether it's podiatry, whether it's uh, internal medicine, whether it is orthopedics and anything medical you, to to my knowledge, to my knowledge, I don't know if psychiatry, psychiatry is medical, but I I don't know if they might take a different exam. I'm not sure. But anyway, for the majority of things where you, at at any point, if you're working with your hands on a patient, you have to take the MCAT. Um, And the MCAT is a very arduous, very stressful exam that you have to pay quite a amount of money to take. Um, there are tons of books, courses, online courses, uh, people pay a lot of money to take this test and to take it well, because when medical schools look at you as an applicant, they look at a cup, they look at several different things, but one of the big things they look at is what was your MCAT score? That is a huge differentiator that's how they, that's how they sift through people. Okay. Um, so I don't know how, the, I don't know how the exam is scored. I honestly forget what I got on it. I, I remember I was so stressed and scared, worried about it. I studied in, in a trailer for like a month before And just that was all I did, and (laughs) studied for the exam, and went and took it. But uh,
0: can you take it more than once? Or yes, yes you can. can.
1: Yep. But the but the problem is, it's only offered at certain times because they want to make sure that nobody is cheating. Because it's it's it this the same or similar exam is given is given to everybody nationally. So it's you can't just be like, oh, I'll just take it Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you kind of have to have to time it.
0: Okay. So you're in your second year of a three year surgical residency program. Could you tell us where you are and can you tell us what your what's a day to day like for you? What, what are you doing?
1: Oh, OK. Uh, yeah. The reason the reason that question is so hard to answer is because any residency program for for anything surgical y- y- in order to graduate, you have to be proficient, at least like baseline proficient in in everything, basically. Like, for instance, if somebody has a heart attack at a hockey game, I am legally I legally have to say I am a doctor. Like I, I can help you even though I deal with the foot and the ankle. Right. Like, yeah. So a typical day is there is no typical day. Like it, it, it varies month to month because your rotations change. So I can tell you what my day today was like. <laughs> sure. Um, we'd,
0: we'd love to hear it.
1: All right. So, uh, what was the first part of the question before I get though? <laughs> oh, now I you're testing me
0: now. No. So you're in your second year of a yes. three year, three right. year surgical um, residency, yes. correct? Yes. And that is I, correct. I, the, then the question was, where are you right now?
1: I live in Detroit, Michigan, um, a suburb of Detroit, actually Clinton Township. And I work for Ascension uh, St. John Hospital. I also do work, we're contracted out through the hospital um, to do surgeries of foot and ankle at surrounding hospitals as well, Uh, like the Henry Ford Health System and Beaumont Health System. Um, So I work for all those groups, but I get paid by Ascension St. John uh, Hospital. And Ascension has uh, hospitals and systems all over the states. but I work for the one in Detroit.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's talk about your day today. What happened today?
1: All (laughs) right. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying I am on surgery right now. I I am doing podiatric surgery. Um, many of the off surface rotations, like for vascular, uh, for internal medicine, all those stuff, you get those more in your first year to kind of get them out of the way, so to speak, so that you can focus on what your, your specialty is going to be. So I'm a little bit farther in. So now I'm getting more time doing my specialty, which is why I'm on, podiatric foot and ankle surgery. So my day today consisted of waking up at around five forty five six, um, and you know getting ready for the day, showering, eating breakfast, um, and then I went to the surgery center where I was going to perform uh, surgery under the supervision of one of my attending physicians. Um, the night before I had spent studying up, looking at x-rays, looking at all of the history of the patient, uh, making sure I wasn't missing anything. So I didn't prescribe them any preoperative antibiotics or something that was going to kill them. Uh, so just doing, just doing a little bit of study before uh, I went to bed last night. Um, and not a lot, it it sounds like it's a lot, it's not. You get to the point where you can review a chart pretty quick, Um, but in the beginning it took like an hour, (laughs) but now it's like, oh okay, I know what to look for, it's all good. So uh, go to the surgery center, Um, you see the patient in the preoperative area, you talk to them about what is expected postoperatively. They've already of course been seen by a by the attending physician in the attending physician's clinic or office. Um, so they sort of know what to expect, what to do. Oftentimes though, they won't have postoperative pain meds, they won't have any antibiotics ordered uh, preoperatively, they won't have any uh, like crutches or anything like that, or just you have to talk to them, kinda see what their plans are for recovery and just make sure all your ducks are, are in a row before you take this person to surgery. Um, so I did that, uh, placed all the orders that I needed to place. Then I went and, uh, got the OR ready and that's just consists of a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that, uh, that's not interesting to, to the, for the, for the purposes of the, of the podcast. So then I, 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 do the surgery, um, and I do, I perform the surgery, um, with the attending physician, uh, Watching my every move scrubbed in with me. If, if I do something incorrect, they take the blade or they take whatever instrument I'm using and they show me the correct way. It's basically a fail safe. Like if I do something incorrect, the attending physician is there to make sure everything goes according to what they want. And oftentimes if it's a trickier case or if the attending physician just doesn't feel comfortable, they will straight up just do parts of the case and you might just only get to suture that case, you know, but but the the goal of of the residency is to train you how to do surgery, so so everybody tries their best to, to let the residents do do things. So um, the the trade off for the attending physician is that when we are done with the case, with the surgical case, um, I do the paperwork. So I make sure all of the paperwork is signed, and nowadays everything's online, right? So for every surge for, for a half an hour surgery, um, I probably end up doing about that long of paperwork. You know what I mean? Um, just because to do the operative note, to make sure all of the orders are in to make like, it, it just takes time and that's so basically it's great for the attending physician. All they have to do is show up to the case, teach, teach me or residents like me what to do. And then they just leave. <laughs> and yeah. They're like, all right, well, I'm going to get paid for doing the surgery and I don't have to do any of the headache paperwork stuff. I just go in. So that's the trade-off. That's, that's why someone would agree to let residents work with them. Um, so anyway, so back to my, the day I do that first case and then I had a second case immediately after it following in the same OR. So I go, and to the pre-operative area, and I repeat the pop process that I just said. Um, and I only had two cases early this morning; both took about forty-five minutes. Uh, and then I went and grabbed some food um, from a fast-food restaurant that was close by. And I took we have a we have students rotate with us, medical students rotate with us. And I just, I took the medical student with me. We grabbed some food, uh, came back and uh, got ready for the final case, which was an ankle fracture, actually. Um, A gentleman had stepped off uh, the curb wrong and uh, fractured his fibula. And so uh, I had to take off the cast in the preoperative area um, that had been placed in the ER. And we uh, took him to surgery, fixated the ankle, threw a screw through the fracture to compress it, put a plate on. And sewed them back up. And then I came home and I was working on my operative notes and I was uh, doing some research on my patients for tomorrow. I was checking the surgery schedule to make sure all of the other residents have the appropriate surgeries because, as a second year, they, they give you more responsibility as you go. So, of course, there are residents that are younger than me, or not younger, just Less experienced first years, so I have to kind of make sure their cases are all ready to go as well. Um, and that that responsibility is shared by by all of us, by all of the second years and third years. And uh, then I grabbed a quick bite to eat, and then uh, you called. So <laughs> that, that, that was my day today. So.
0: I, I have to ask when when you're making the first incision for the first time, first time ever doing it. Yeah, are, are you nervous? Is your hand shaking
1: at all? I got to ask.
0: So yeah. you just you just have to find a way to fight through the nerves and just get the job done.
1: I, you know, to be quite honest with you, I think acting it would be a huge. Uh, bonus, You know, like I, I enjoyed acting when I was when I was in college, I, I was in a couple of uh, plays at university and just, you know, I, I enjoyed that because to be honest with you, fake it till you make it like you have to trick your brain like you have to literally tell your brain, no, I've, I know what I'm doing. I've got this because okay. if you don't, you're you're hosed like you, 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 you will you won't stop shaking like you just have to get over it because okay. and that takes a while like for everybody and some people have it at different times some people get over it in medical school it's it's just something everyone goes through at, at, at different points
0: we'll, we'll go to a positive place uh, after this next question but uh, what uh, what could you say is uh, have you been surprised by anything uh, what are some of the challenges um, are, are there things that still make you nervous
1: now? every day every, every, day? Day. Yeah. every day like uh, I mean you think about it; you're you're cutting into a person, right? Like that—that that person is literally putting their life in your hands. So, yeah. I mean, if you're not nervous, like my dad's been doing this for like 33 years, and I, I, I'll ask him or I'll ask uh, other people in the profession, like, "Hey, you know, what do, what do you think?" Like, there'll be 65 year olds still doing surgery, and you're like, "Why are you still doing this?" And like, "Cause it's such a thrill." It's like, yeah. "Well, why is it a thrill?" Right? Like, it's there's obviously. I don't know when somebody comes to you and says, fix, fix the thing that, that God or, or whatever you want to, the, the something in the sky, fix the thing that I was given. That's, that's a big ask. And so if you're not nervous going into it, then either you don't care or you're overly confident or I don't, I don't know there's a very good balance I feel to where you should be confident. Um, but you should also yeah i don't know it it is it is very nerve-wracking anytime you go into a case every time
0: and and what and, do you, what do you love about it
1: well the the adrenaline to be honest with you when you're in surgery is 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 quite a thrill um, i actually very much enjoy the clinic aspect of the job which is kind of interesting. Most people don't like that, especially surgeons. They just want to cut people and then go. I actually like talking to people. I like I like communicating and just just seeing people get better. If I don't have to take somebody to the OR, I, that that makes me happy because I can fix them like in the office or just something where it's like, hey, this is this is great. You know, we we, we fix the problem um, so that I absolutely that's probably my favorite part. The thing that I didn't know, actually, back to your the the earlier question, the amount of paperwork now that exists is unbelievable. Like for every patient that is seen, you have to your notes. Note taking has gotten out of control because the way medicine is in the states now is that people sue doctors all the time, like literally all the time. So you. There's such easy targets that uh, all of the charting now has to be so in depth and and it goes under such scrutiny with billing and and, and insurances and everything. It's just it's 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 taxing. So people wonder you know they're always like why are doctors always so late like what the heck i was here in my time the reason the doctor's so late is because if you're a good doctor you're trying to help everyone that you can and if you're giving people the attention they need the amount of notes that you have to write for one consult is is ludicrous like you have to hire most doctors now actually hire out somebody to literally follow them around and and write their note for them as they're going or some people we were talking about technology some people have like special uh specs or um uh listening device that they just record the whole interaction or some people have something where it, it literally just attaches to their glasses and they just the whole experience is documented and then somebody Transcribes in it. a room transcribes it. Yeah. Because that, that's really the only way you can do it. Like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. That that's, that's probably the thing that I hate most is documentation. I hate that because yeah. that's not why I got into the profession. I didn't get into the profession to write notes. Like right. I got in the profession to help people.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's a huge problem with the medical field in all, in all medical fields is because I think most people get into it because they want to help and they're bogged down.
0: Yeah. I, I've heard from um, uh, people in law enforcement that, that that's a big issue for them too. the the paperwork that they have to do, um, which I think I think this is information that's important for somebody looking into this uh, to know about. So I think that's valuable. Um, what What's next for you? What do you think? What happens? So you got one more year left and then do you have to make a decision or what, what happens?
1: Yes. Yes. So this area is kind of like a touchy subject for me, me in particular, just because my situation, normally what would happen is at the end of your residency, you, you, in the last year of your residency, whatever you're going into, you, you apply for a job. Um, and because you're so specialized, it's not like you're going to Craigslist or something. Although I have heard of that happening, but normally you're not supposed to, like there are supposed to be enough. Uh, the job market is is very wanting for physicians right now. Like it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And so uh, you should be marketing yourself to wherever in, in, the, in the States. It's different in Canada uh, cause I don't know how that cross border thing works, but for the average American student in America, a, a average American podiatrist in America, it is, uh, you send out your resume and everything in your final year, and then you would get a job at a baseline salary and with a group, or you could start your own practice, um, or you could, uh, just kind of work freelance for, for a little bit. Um, so the, the, the question in medicine now is, do you want to be your own boss or do you want to be part of a group? And unfortunately, um, being your own boss is kind of going by the wayside with the advancements of, um, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, because, uh, you have to, insur- insurance is basically run medicine now, which I think is awful, and it, it's horrible, but insurance is is in charge of medicine right now, Yeah. and um, if you work with a bigger group, you can basically push out any of the smaller players, um, because you can accept more insurances, because you have a bigger group that can take mm. more insurances, so... So I don't I don't I don't know how, how what people are, what my upperclassmen are gonna do, but from my standpoint, um, I being a Canadian, it's very tricky because I don't know where I want to live. Like I, I know where I want to live; it's back in Canada, and I can have a job in Canada. But the problem with podiatry in particular is that the Canadian government doesn't recognize podiatry foot and ankle as uh, a specialty that is covered by the socialist health care plan. So it's not covered by the insurance that every Canadian has for healthcare, which is absolutely asinine. It doesn't make any sense. Every paper that has come out in, in North America, period, even in Europe, every paper that has come out has said that if you have a podiatrist involved in limb salvage wound care, they can mitigate amputations by 50% that's not a number I just like came up with. That's literally in the literature almost everywhere. So I don't quite understand. I do understand why, but it's like, I guess more into like the, the political side of junk, but uh, it is very frustrating that the Canadian government doesn't recognize them. So what happens is podiatrists, there are podiatrists in Canada but what they do is they work based on a, uh, an old model of cash based. So let's say someone comes in, you you say, hey, I can, I can look, take a look at your feet for 25 bucks. And and they're like, okay, perfect. And that's that's how it goes. It's not that low. It's not 25 bucks, yeah. But, yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's a very old school model. Um, and that's how it used to be down here Um, but then insurance, everything changed and now it's all based on, you know, what the, what the individual has for their insurance. And so, yeah, that's, that's really, I I just have a lot of stuff to think about. In summary, (laughs) there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and, but I just can't do surgery in hospitals in Canada because again, it's not covered. So you don't have hospital, hospital privileges. Is that something
0: new or is that always no. been the, that's always been it? The yep. way? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. Um, it used to be the way in the States too, but our early pioneers in the profession, um, fought against, uh, the orthopedic groups that were trying to keep them out because they're competition. Like if you're an orthopedic surgeon, you are in competition sometimes directly with podiatrists because you are theoretically trained. Uh, foot and ankle surgery, but the the thing that frustrates me is that orthopedic surgeons. I I have a ton of respect for them, and it, 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 they're absolutely needed. They take care of the whole body. That's fantastic. But if I'm an orthopedic surgeon, I'm not going to get upset at at somebody who may be a specialist in in another area. Like, and it seems like they're that group. And this is more of an old school thing because I've I've met. Um, Orthopedic uh, surgeons coming out of of school, they don't care. Like they don't. It's it's more of an old school fight where the older generation was really trying to stomp pediatry out, um, and that's still going on in Canada, very much so. Like that is a very very real thing in Canada, but in the states, it's not. It is that way in certain states. I don't want to say it's gone, but in the West, like in California and stuff. No, that's not a thing anymore. It is very much everyone's like, "Oh yeah, podiatry. everyone knows what that is, but uh, it, it, Canada's just behind yeah, but by a lot
0: that's um the is things. there Is there anything else uh, that may I may have missed? Is there anything else that uh, I can ask you?
1: There's one thing I would like people to know before they they decide anything in medicine. Do not go into medicine if your aspiration is, is money and financial security. You will not make it. I'm I like period, you won't. Because first of all, there are especially with the rise in technology, there are millions of ways to make a lot more money a lot easier and in a much shorter time than being a doctor. If you want to go and make money, being a doctor is you'll be financially secure. Don't get me wrong, but you're that is not the way to make money. If you want money, don't go into medicine. that's not that's not the right thing to do. It may have been at one time, but it is no longer that case that that is no longer the case. That would be my only advice. Um, go into it because you want to help people. Like I love teaching. I love teaching, and I love sharing my knowledge about the human body i love seeing patients like like, oh okay like i I like seeing people get better i like so i love that i get a thrill out of doing that so that's why i do it um but yeah (laughs) if you go into it with just the mindset of well i want the status of being a doctor and i want the money you won't make it you won't make it through medical school it's not enough
0: okay i think that is great advice to end on so i just want to Thank you for your time today. And um, yeah, I think this has been great. Yeah. Thanks, for join- thanks for joining us.
1: No worries. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Job Talk podcast. For more information, please visit us at jobtalk.com.